Welcome to the Church Times podcast. Try 10 issues for £10 or two months access to our website and apps also for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. Bishop Philip North, welcome to the Church Times podcast. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Um, you've written this in this week's issue about the privatisation of, of children's care and, and the serious concerns you have about it. Um, can I just go back and, and ask how, how you first became aware of this issue? I, I've spent a lot of my ministry in urban parishes. I think a lot of urban clergy, a lot of clergy are aware of vulnerable families, perhaps dealt with children in the care system. So something's always been on my radar, but it was seeing some data last year about the incredible expansion of the number of private care homes in areas of Lancashire where property and uh, prices and labour prices are low. Um, and it's not because there's greater need for children's care places in those areas. It's because it's cheaper for private suppliers to place care homes in places like Blackburn and Burnley than it is in the southeast of England. And of course, the impact on children is vast. They're being moved, you know, across the country, often up to 300 miles from, from home, away from extended family networks, away from their schools, into often quite alien cultures. Children, you know, suffering, uh, being isolated from the people they love, simply in order that private providers can make a greater profit. And then, so there are no... Um sort of rules in place to, to prevent this, but private providers free just to move children around as almost as far as I they mean, wish once to. Once you're a child in care, you're, you're a ward of court and, and, and you know, you're seen to have very little agency over your life. You know, I think, I think many people listening to this will be aware of this as how often children in care are moved around anyway. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's sadly not that rare that moves are from very, to very, very different parts of the country. And it's, it's, it's putting profit first and the needs of the child last. And you know, one thing I talk about in the article is, particularly in Matthew's Gospel, starting with the Epiphany story, the way constantly Jesus places the vulnerable child at the centre of the community. Yet what we've done in this country at the moment, what we're doing is we're monetizing the vulnerable child. We're turning the misery of being placed in care into a tradable commodity. And I think that's scandalous. And, then, and the, the, the companies who do this, they're making some pretty significant profits, are they? Well, the, the Competition Markets Authority has described the sector as dysfunctional and profits excessive. So you make about £45,000 per child and the profits operating margin is huge. It's well over 20%. So I think, you know, it's generally recognised that this is a, a sector that where there is injustice and a sector that's in crisis. And, and uh, recent reports have demonstrated that all the more so, particularly the McAllister report uh, from, from last year. Can I ask a bit more about the, the McAllister report? We we reported on that at the time, but Josh McAllister called for a, a radical reset of, of the care system. That's a radical reset of the whole system. And, you know, what, what he talks about above all else is a, is a system that's kind of absolutely crisis driven to wait until, you know, families in absolute crisis then intervene in a way that's very, very costly and when it's too late. So his radical reset is much more about early intervention in families having places where families can go to for support much, much earlier on in the system. Because, you know, it's obviously best if families are supported and mums and dads bring children up. That's got to be the best for the child. So earlier intervention, and, you know, it was uh, it took a lot of upfront investment. So he was calling for 2.6 billion to be invested in the system um, on the grounds that that would save money down the, down the line. Because once children are in care, obviously the bills are eye-watering. So he wanted short-term investment in early intervention in order to save costs down the line. But the government response has been, I think, woefully inadequate. 
So of that 2.6 billion, they've offered 200 million to do some experiments around the edges. And, uh, and you know, there's a number of charities saying that's very, very short-sighted, a costly decision to make. So that's, that's one one tenth of what was called for. So one tenth, yeah, and, and you know the children's society, the children's society, you know, obviously working with a number of charities, really active in this area, and they're saying that's a decision that could result in over ten thousand children being unnecessarily put into care because they're not investing in that early intervention. And does the um, involvement of, of private suppliers um, does that does that save the government money? Is is that an incentive for them to continue? It, with it was very interesting, actually. I, I was I had um. A meeting uh, just before Christmas, and I invited the chief execs and the mayors of the of the borough and unitary authorities in Lancashire. It's a good chance to chat with them and talk about you know the pressures on their lives. All of them were talking about budgetary pressures, and all of them, when I asked what those were about, it was about the care bill. Now, not just the children's care bill, but but the care bill generally, which is sometimes taking up to eighty percent of income. And you know, this bill has risen absolutely exponentially. So private providers, because charities and local authorities have largely pulled out of the sector, private providers are just naming their price, making unacceptable profits, driving um, local authorities into crisis. I mean, this is, this is a situation that just must be addressed because constantly the victim of it all is the child. So local authorities struggling, um, com- private companies making unacceptable profits, child in the middle of it being monetized. I think the role of the Christian is to stay absolutely focused on that child, place that child at the center of the community and give voice to that child who's being oppressed so that uh, a small number of companies can make eye-watering profits. Have you had any contact with these companies, with executives or, or, or staff from, from the companies? I haven't. They're quite hard to find, but also, you know, I'm disinclined to invite myself to visit a children's care home because it's sort of almost turning children into, um, you know, articles to be looked at and examined. You know, just make life worse for them. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think I think you know it's it, the right way in is is to look at what's happening on the economic sphere and analyze the data, look at the numbers, and work out what's going on. And I think there's a, there's a campaign um, around this by the, led by the charity Become that, that you're involved with. Could you tell us about Be- that? Become is, a, Become is a, a charity that works very hard to give voice to the child. And, and you know, they, they've got two particularly strong campaigns. One is around children staying close to home. So when children have to go into a care, which is a profoundly traumatising experience, that they're close to their existing networks, close to families, close to school, close to friends. And, you know, McAllister also talks about the importance of loving networks of relationships. Now, once you're taken out of loving relationships, you lose an integral part of your humanity. We know that as Christians. So that's that that is their first thing, keeping children close to home when they go into care. And then the other thing they're particularly addressing is the drop off at 18, which can be a very unsupported time for a care experienced child. What I love about Become is that their agenda is set by children themselves. They listen to the voices of care experienced children and set their agenda based on that. And that makes them a really powerful voice for children, I think. And presumably one of the um, impact, one of the effects of being moved around like this is, is also the, 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 the school network. Must You have to move school and develop new friendships and that must be very um, destabilising. I, I, I can't think of a, a worse experience than being put into care. The, the experience that must run before that. Um, of neglect or abuse or whatever, or just a family breakdown, suddenly finding yourself not knowing who you belong to. And then, you know, to add to that, 
the loss of any kind of networks, of friendship networks, of school networks, of relationships with teachers. It's just, you know, it's just barely bears thinking about, really. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 adding trauma to trauma to trauma. And then, of course, you know, we can see the impact on those care experienced children for the whole of the rest of their lives. Um, uh, it is the data on the number of people in prison who've experienced care, number of people who end up homeless who've experienced care. The, the, and surely, you know, as civilized nation, we should be judged by the way we treat the most vulnerable people. And it's hard to find, think of a more vulnerable person than a young person forced into care. And yet, rather than placing at the centre and thinking, how do we best invest in these broken lives? Companies are profiteering from it. And you write a bit about some of the um, churches in your diocese who are providing some of the early interventions that the McAllister report called for. Can you just um, talk about a few, a few of those that have impressed you? Yes, I'm, I'm just, you know, it, it's. I couldn't say this is a church response to the McAllister report, but I, you know, I'm experiencing more and more um, new new local congregations, many of them on estates and places aim particularly at, you know, families with children, offering wonderful support to some of those families. So, you know, I, I, a few months ago, I met a family in a church in Blackpool, clearly very vulnerable family, both parents really struggling uh, to socialise and so on. It is beautiful to see how being part of a church has developed those people into leaders, grown their confidence, and they're both in work, the family is feeling much, much more stable. That's because of the intervention of churches and churches providing safe, loving places where people can grow in confidence, discover their gifts, grow in faith. It seems to me that that's exactly the kind of early intervention that McAllister is calling for. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, personally, when I look at this whole story around about the fate of children, the care system, it makes me feel very angry. And anger can be either a very negative reaction or a very positive emotion. And it's a positive emotion if you channel it into something positive. And you know, it's, it's always good to ask, OK, what can I do? Here's an injustice. What can I do? And it seems to me that the work of some of those churches is addressing this very, very directly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think that's let's think about how as churches we can place the child at the centre. Let's think about how we can plant new congregations or we think about our existing congregations so that vulnerable families and vulnerable children are really central to their life. Because the, the, those networks of loving relationships that churches can offer exactly what vulnerable young people need. There's a lot of um, emphasis on, on children's and family ministry in, in the church. Um, is, is there enough emphasis, you think, on, on how to, to minister to, to children who are in care, who are separated from their families? And what sort of resources could be needed to, to help churches do that? I, I think it's an area that churches struggle with, actually. I think we're very good at families and often with fam- families who are vulnerable. Once a child is taken into care, I've seen the relationship be lost. You know, I've seen that on several occasions where children have been central to the life of the church. They've gone into care and the relationship is gone. And the ch- often the children's faith seems to not be taken seriously once they're in care or they've been put into short-term fostering. And, uh, you know, it, it, we, we lose the connection. So it's it's it is an area where I think we I think really we struggle. Is there anything to be done to to, to help that? That sounds a, a terrible situation for for children who've, who've been involved in churches to then lose contact. Could that be because they're moved to another part of the country with these private companies? It, 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 or it could just be they're moved to a family who aren't practicing a faith no. yeah. and not taking that child's faith seriously. Um, and and then of course you know. Often, often churches can't contact those children. They've been they've been removed. So, uh, it, what would be good would be to see closer connections between churches and social services departments, 
for, for the good of the for the good of those children. But it's a complex area that I think what, what we're seeing with those churches is, is, you know, the early intervention of families who could be vulnerable, offering them support through the life of their church. I was just thinking about this, um, the, the, the need for a, a lot more more money to be to be put into the care system. Is, is there any way um, you could join with other 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 bishops who are concerned about this, who are seeing these problems in their diocese? Could any interventions be made in, in the House of Lords, for instance, or um, MPs or peers be brought on board to try and um, campaign? I think it'd be very good to see that. And, you know, there is the Children's Society's voices loud in this area becomes voices loud in this area. I mean, it'd be good to get, you know, it'd be good to get ahead of steam up, really, with, with you know, churches doing what we're called to do and giving voice to these anonymized, forgotten children who otherwise don't have a voice to see if we can bring about a better response to the McAllister report, to see if there can be rules regarding what happens to children in care and the amount to which they're moved. And there's some very, very clear stuff that could be done here, I think, really. What I would love to see also is local authorities and perhaps in also the charitable sector being able to move back into the care sector. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with profit in and of itself, of course. And I do not doubt that many of the people working in these private care homes are very good, able, committed members of staff dealing with some very difficult, you know, very vulnerable children. But it, 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 it does not feel to me the right kind of area for the private sector to be involved with. It should be the non-profit sector or local authorities who are offering care to these children so that it's motivated by the needs of the child, not by the bottom line. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more.